we have been uh, studying the topic of one thing. One thing, meaning that in life, there is one thing that matters. There's one thing that everything's all about. This is your job. This is your family. This is your hobbies. This is everything is about one thing. That one thing is living for Jesus Christ. Okay? That's where we're going. Uh, Everyone there? Yeah? All right. Very good. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to unpack these verses and figure out what this is all about. We're going to get some information as to what was going on in this church, and I want to get real practical tonight, and I really think that this is going to be helpful to every one of us. So let's read it, and, uh, and then we'll pray and get into the lesson. Philippians 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do, and the God of peace shall be with you. All right, let's pray and ask God for help tonight. We're going to ask him for a couple things, all right? I know some of you, you know, close your eyes and bow your head, and you just wait for me to say amen, but I want you to pray with me, and we're going to ask God that he would uh, illuminate the scriptures. That means he'd help us to understand them, what they mean. Let's pray and ask God to give us some application tonight, okay? God, teach me what you want me to know. That's our prayer. Let's pray. Father, uh, I come to you tonight and I ask you that you would please help us to understand your word. Lord, this is a passage that we hear a lot. Uh, It's something that we like to quote, something that we like to remind ourselves. And I pray for anyone tonight that's never heard it, that you'd help uh, me to be clear and, and helping them have understanding. God, I pray you'd give us understanding of the scripture. God, I pray tonight for somebody that's heard this passage before, that you'd make it new and fresh in their ears, that they would uh, grow closer to you, and Lord, they'd follow you and represent you better because of tonight. God, please teach us what you want us to know. Lord, we need you. Uh, Lord, these are verses that you've given us for our benefit, for our help, and I, I pray you would just help us with these verses tonight. And I ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, let's go back to verse number one, and we're going to walk through this tonight. He starts off, therefore, my brethren and dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the, in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Now, uh, at the beginning of chapter four, Paul, he is just talking to this church, and he's using very caring terms. He's talking to them like they're his friends, because they are. He, he knows these people. He spent time with these people. And so he gets a little personal and he speaks to them on a personal level. Uh, he already has spoken at large to the church. He's told them about his circumstances, where he's been, everything that's happened to him, and how it's all for the gospel's sake. And he gets to these people. And, and let's just look at some of the words he uses. He says, Therefore, my brethren, my dearly beloved, my longed for, he calls them my joy and crown. In another passage of Scripture, Paul talks about a crown and that the crown would be those people that he invested in, that he sees in heaven. This is his crown. These, are, these people are important to him. And he encouraged them to stand fast in the Lord, to be fixed, to be firm. Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He cares for these people, and his next several verses are going to be there to help them stand firm. Now, we know that Paul is already in a, an interesting spot, isn't he? He's in prison. He's chained to a guard. These are things that it doesn't really sound like he is, according to how he's talking in the Scripture, but he is. He's so positive. Uh, this passage that we're going to study tonight is one that's like, if ever somebody's having a difficult time, if ever somebody is discouraged, this is one of those positive pick-me-up passages. But it's so important about who it was coming from. It's coming from Paul. It's coming from the one who is, has a worst-case scenario, worse than all others. He's facing death, and he wants to encourage them to stand fast. I know that there are difficulties in our lives. We're going to talk about them a bit tonight. I know that there are things that cause us to be shaken in our faith. They cause us to question if we should keep going. Is this too much? Can I handle this? And in Paul's encouragement here, he's encouraging us to stand fast, to stay firm. And there is firm footing, okay? There is there's something that we can hold on to, and I hope these verses tonight are something we can hold on to, all right? Maybe you're not facing anything major right now. Maybe your life is easy peasy and everything is great today and life is good. You know, how could it get better? Well, soon you will need these verses because if we're not, you know, right now facing something difficult, we will be soon. And, and so we need to remember these things. So let's, let's keep on walking through here. So verse 1, he's saying, I, I care for you. You're, you're my joy. You're my crown. I want you to be firm in your faith, firm in your life, firm in your walk with the Lord. Look in verse 2. He says, I beseech, or I beg, you odious, and beseech Syntyche. These were two women in the church, two ladies. We don't know much about these ladies. We don't know exactly what they like to do, you know, how they spent their day. Were they mothers? What were they? We don't know very much, but we do know that they had an issue. Look at what he says to them. He says, I'm asking you to. Isn't, could you imagine... Uh, Paul, you know, he writes this letter and you're 
you know, the pastor of this church, hey, we got a letter from Paul today, and he reads these great things, and we're cheering him on. Paul is fighting for the faith, and Paul is, yeah, man, his, his bonds are, are turning into great news. I mean, people in the, in the prison are trusting Christ. This is great. And then all of a sudden, the pastor reads your name, Eurydice and Syntyche. He's like, oh, something special for me. This is great. Well, what did he say? You two, he says that you be of the same mind in the Lord. See, these two, the only thing we really know about them is that they had something between each other. They were fighting or something. Something was dividing them. And if there's ever a theme in Paul's writing, it's that a church can't operate if it's divided. And he's always calling the church that you have to be unified. And, and we're not unified in how we look. We're not unified in what we like. We're not unified in our opinions. But we are unified in Jesus Christ. He's the one thing that ties all of us together. As different as we are, he's the one unifier. And he says, I want you to be of the same mind in the Lord. Be of the same mind in the Lord. So he encourages those two ladies It's time that you put your differences aside and make up for the sake of the gospel. And uh, that's always encouragement for us. We can pass by that verse and say, oh, there's some names mentioned in the Bible. But they're mentioned because there were two people in a church that were separated for whatever reason. And we should always seek to bring our relationships back together. If there's something that's between us and another, we should deal with it. And he gets in there, I mean, he gets in their business a little bit. He, he says, I care for you. You're my joy. You're my crown. Stop fighting. You need to fix this. In the Lord, we need to come together in the same mind. Next, in verse 3, he says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, those of you that are with me, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Hey, there are some people, and they were helping me when I was here preaching the gospel. I want you to help them. He, and then he goes on to say, uh, he said, and with the other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. It's interesting just the way Paul talks. Um, I, I have a friend, he's a pastor uh, in Texas. His name is Mike. And uh, Mike was in my youth group growing up. He was a few years older than me. He, and, and when I was in middle school, I remember he played uh, on the varsity basketball team. So he was in high school, I was in middle school. And I remember watching Mike and thinking, man, he is cool. He's a cool guy, Mike. And there's one thing I remember about Mike that is so admirable is that the things of the Lord, uh, just spiritual speech and talk, and just how he, it just, it just came out of him naturally. Have you ever met anyone like that? Yeah, so sometimes it can be difficult to talk about the Lord. Honestly, it can. Uh, but with Mike, Mike would just talk, just, it was like he was the Apostle Paul sometimes. He, listen, Paul's just speaking, and naturally he starts talking about his friends whose name are in the book of life. It's just a natural, spiritual conversation coming out of him. How do you suppose that was? How do you suppose this naturally came out of him? I, I remember Mike would naturally witness to people. Mike would naturally just talk to people and pray for them, and it was so uh, refreshing to see God coming out of somebody naturally. You could tell that he was spirit-led. The Holy Spirit was moving him. The fruits of the Spirit came out of him. And the same is true with the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm talking to you, my friends, whose names are in the book of life. Do you know how he was able to speak that way? 
You know how he, it was able to be on the tip of his tongue? Because that's what he was thinking about. That's what he was regularly thinking about. That was his reality. His mind was so far away from this world and so much on heaven that it was just natural for him to speak that way. This whole section, verses 1, 2, and 3, began with the word, therefore, which points back to what happened previously. So I want you to see in verse number 20 what he was just talking about. I want, you, I want to tie it into what we learned last time. So he says, therefore, and he talks to his friends whose names are in the book of life, and it's all because of this perspective in verse number 20, of chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 20, sorry. He says, for our conversation, our, the church, our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word conversation doesn't necessarily mean your speech or your words. It means your lifestyle. The very, the very focus of his life. He says, you know what? Our life, this church life, this, this life that we live as Christians, it's not about here. Our conversation, our life is all about heaven. It's all what Jesus talked about, laying up treasures in heaven, not laying up treasures on earth. It's talked about setting your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And Paul says, our conversation, our whole life, it's not down here. We're only here for a little bit of time. And so he's, his speech is so natural that he looks at his friends and he says, your name is in the book of life. My name's in the book of life. And he just has this spiritual perspective of people. It's really encouraging. Let's hop down and back into chapter 4 and continue on. Paul is going to get into a couple things that almost seem impossible to do. And the way he words these things are absolute statements. All right, so if you want to take notes, if you want to write down a couple things, my outline sort of for tonight is two absolute statements and how to live them out. I want to see those two statements. I want to see how can we ever live those two things out. It's very clear what he's saying here. And these are things that we're supposed to do to stand firm, to stand fast in the Lord. Look in verse number four. Here's the first absolute statement. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He says to this church, rejoice in the Lord always. Um, if you listen to any sort of uh, marriage material, whether you read it in a book or watch it in a, you have a marriage conference or you're, you're watching some sort of marriage lesson online or somebody's speaking on marriage, they always talk about when you argue, you never use always and never, right? You don't use always and never. Because when you're saying to my wife, ah, you always do this, or you say to your husband, you always do this, you know what they're going to do? You say, no, I don't, always. Always, that's not true. And it's such an absolute word, always and never. But here in this passage, he doesn't leave any leeway. He doesn't say always, but I wasn't really meaning that. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, all the time. There's no circumstance, there's no situation whereby this is not applying in your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice means to be glad. Always. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. How many of you have had a bad day in the last 30 days? A bad day. Do you know what a bad day is? Sometimes it's when you wake up and you're just frustrated. Sometimes you go into work and you get some kind of job that you didn't want to do. Uh, sometimes it's something happens in your family. It's just a bad day. Sometimes it's just a discouraging thought and it's a, a problem that you just can't solve and you can't get past a bad day, right? On a bad day, rejoice in the Lord always. That applies to bad days just as much as it does good days. It applies on the day that you get a raise and it applies on the day you lose your job. It applies on the day that you feel healthy and you can run a marathon and it applies on the day that you're sick in the hospital. Always. It's an absolute. Rejoice. Be glad in the Lord always. How do we rejoice in the Lord always? Just focus on that, word, that phrase, in the Lord. It's not saying rejoice in your circumstances. Um, when I get sick, I hate it. I hate being sick. I am a big baby when I'm sick. I, I need help when I'm sick. Uh, I just, I, I feel like I'm going to die. Every time I'm sick, uh, my wife would tell you, like, get over, she'd tell me, like, get over it. I'm just a baby. I'm just, ah, oh, I'm, so, I'm so hurting. Oh, I can't get up. Or I'm, I'm terrible when I'm sick. When I'm, when I'm sick, it's bad. It's really bad. And I can't say, oh, God, thank you for making me sick. Thank you for letting me. Well, God doesn't necessarily make me sick. You know, you guys make me sick when we all shake hands, right? Uh, no. You know, we, we get sick for whatever reason, but it's difficult to say, thank you for me being sick. This is just swell. It's not that, it doesn't work that way. I'm being funny, but we have very serious issues in our lives. We have health issues with folks in our family. We have serious financial strains, and we, it is very difficult to rejoice in the circumstance because they're not good. And God's not saying, hey, be happy that you don't have a job. He's not saying that. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. See, in the Lord is different than in your circumstance it's not that we like our circumstances, it's that we like our Lord. Uh, see, in our circumstance, where he's talking from prison, in this situation in the church, whatever persecution they may have been facing, whatever pressures that you have, any circumstance, we can rejoice in the Lord, right? In the Lord is in the fact that the Lord is good, in the fact that God has our best interest in mind. Rejoice in the Lord. It's not rejoice that you have a bad time or a bad day or you're hurt or sick or whatever. It's in the Lord. See, God is always good. God is always looking out for our best interests. God always uh, provides for our needs. God always gives us hope. God is always good, and we can rejoice and be glad in the Lord. Then he goes on to say, Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. In your circumstances, now, this word moderation, uh, sometimes we get scared when we read this verse and we think that God's telling us to go on a diet. Has anyone ever read that word moderation and said, oh, there it is, ignore that one? It's not, it's not the word. This is the, this is the word that means gentleness and patience. See, he was talking to these people and he's, he already told them that their conversation is in heaven. It's not about down here. It's all about up there. It's all about the future in heaven. And he, he stops as he's telling them to rejoice in the Lord always. And he just says, listen, you need to let your 
lifestyle be gentle. It needs to be um, it needs to be patient. It's just a way of presenting yourself. And here's why. He says, let it be known unto all men. Basically says, your reaction in difficult times, the way you live your life down here, it's seen. It's seen by everybody. And this phrase, the Lord is at hand, different people, you know, would interpret that to mean different things. It could mean the Lord is present with us at all times and he is, he's there with you uh, which is a great encouragement in time of trouble. But it also means that, hey, we're going to see him soon. We are focused on this heaven, this future home with the Lord. And he says that you should show a life of gentleness and patience. It's about how you carry yourself when other people are watching. And I just have to think that that patience, that bearing under the weight, that calm trusting in God, attitude, that gentleness. I, I just have to feel like that matters when we're dealing with difficult circumstances. Uh, our natural fleshly response when things are going bad is to panic. It's to freak out. It's to lose our cool, get angry, uh, worry, fear. And I just think it's in there. I, th- I, I know God put it in there because there's this gentleness and this patience that comes when we're rejoicing in the Lord, not in our circumstance. So the first absolute statement he says here, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says it twice, okay? But here's the second one. Be careful for nothing. Nothing. He did it again. Always had nothing. He said nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's an absolute word. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Be careful uh, doesn't, doesn't mean be careful now. The roads are slick. It doesn't mean be careful now. You shouldn't do that. It doesn't mean like don't stand by the edge. It's be full of care. Being anxious. Being worried. Being so tied up and concerned with the circumstances in your life. Has anyone been careful before in this sense you have felt full of care this trouble this circumstance has got you it's it's got you I mean it's got you tied up you are so concerned about whatever it is but look at the absolute that he says be careful for nothing there is an encouragement from Paul to this church whatever you're worried about you're not allowed to be you're not allowed to be worried about it. Nothing. Your job? That nah, doesn't count. I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal. Nah, doesn't, doesn't count. I'm sick. Nah, be careful for nothing. Don't be full of care for anything. This be careful for nothing is uh, the same type of phrase that's used in Matthew chapter 6. And I think it's important that we uh, flip back there. Matthew chapter 6. Such important verses from Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25. So Paul says in in Philippians, be careful for nothing. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. None, no thought. Don't even let it concern you. Take zero thoughts. Don't, Don't waste one thought on it. Don't take one thought for your life. What ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, 
nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Jesus says, Behold, look at the birds, look at the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. Meaning they're not out planting corn, and they're not out picking corn, nor gather into barns. They're not, you know, storing up their food. But yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment or clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Think about the flowers. How they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. The flowers aren't working. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. One of the richest rulers couldn't look as good as a beautiful flower that doesn't have to work. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things, food, clothing, do the Gentiles seek the unbelievers, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, let's go back to Philippians and see the, the parallel, how they match up here. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're check is going to come from, your paycheck. Don't worry about how you're going to fix your problem. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. See, it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. And God provides for us. But in these two absolutes, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, every time. Rejoice in the Lord. The second absolute, he says, be careful for nothing. Those are such difficult things. But in the rest of Philippians chapter 4, down through verse 9, he really gives us some action words. He gives us some, some how. This is the what. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to rejoice all the time, you know? We're supposed to rejoice all the time in the Lord, and we're supposed to never be worried about anything. Well, how in the world are we supposed to do that? Here's word number one, and I just read it. Number one is pray. Pray. That is a simple one, but that's exactly what the Bible says. Be careful for nothing. That's a difficult, absolute statement to live out. How do we do it? In everything. Everything. Small things, big things, everything. You take everything, and he says, by prayer. That's asking God. And supplication, those are requests. We ask God, and we make requests with thanksgiving. Now, how can we make requests with thanksgiving? Why would we do such a thing? Let me explain. We're, normally you thank somebody like they get you a present or they give you something and you say, thank you. It's usually after you get whatever it was. 
In this instance, we're, before we have what we're getting, we're supposed to ask with thanksgiving. You know why? That's called faith. See, we already know that God is good. We already know he supplies for our needs. We already know that he loves us. And when we go to him with our prayers, our, our asking, we go to him with our supplication, our request, we say it, Lord, thank you for already taking care of this. We, we do it with thanksgiving. We give thanks in faith. Let your requests be made known unto God. So I take my problem and I say, I'm going to be careful for nothing. This is no longer my problem. I give it to the Lord. And I say, God, I'm asking you to whatever it is. Make me better. Provide me a job. Uh, whatever it is you're asking, make your request known. You need to ask it. You need to ask for things. God wants you to ask for things. And, and he says, ask for this. Make your request known. And here's what's going to happen. The peace of God, verse 7, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All of that worry, all of that care, all of that anxiousness, all of that, oh, that sick feeling, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. This is too heavy for me. Take your request and you give it to God. And you ask him with thanksgiving. And there's something that you get in return. A supernatural peace that passes all understanding. It can't even be understood. And he gives it to you to help you through and help you in your circumstance. This is a special gift that we get as Christians. The presence of God, the peace of God. So we pray. We make our request known and God gives us peace. Um, is anybody in here, uh, do you worry a lot, a worry wart? Anyone ever called you that before? Um, my grandma, I don't know if she listens to the podcast. She might. She's on Facebook, and she's pretty good at it. Um, she, all through my life, whether I stood on a chair or anything that I did, she would worry about me. Be careful with that, and be careful with it. And I could hear it in my ears all the time. Be, I think I do it with my kids now. I'm, like, so protective of my kids. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Um, and I heard something that like, you know, somebody said, you know, I, nothing that I worry about ever happens, so I'm going to keep on worrying. <laughs> you know, I worry about it and it doesn't happen. And that's really how it is, is we worry and we care, but the command is be careful for nothing. That's the absolute instruction that we have. See, if we have time to worry... That means we have time to pray. You say, ah, oh, I've got this care. You know, what is your care? What is the burden that you're facing right now? Go ahead, think about it. Tomorrow morning, you're gonna, tonight's fun. You know, you go to church, you see all your friends, you might go out to eat. If you can, you go home and get a nice meal, you go to sleep, but tomorrow's Monday, okay? Monday comes and you face reality sometimes. What is it that you're gonna face tomorrow? Have you prayed about it? Do you plan to pray about it? Remember tomorrow, be careful for nothing. Don't let anything, uh, don't be full of care. Get these thoughts, uh, take no thought. He says, give it to God and pray for these things and God will give you a supernatural peace to guard your heart and mind. So he says to pray. 
Then look at verse 8. Look what else he says. How, how do we rejoice in the Lord always and be careful for nothing? Here's another encouragement. Finally, brethren, or uh, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are true. These are things that are based on God's reality. Those things that are absent of lies. Sometimes we worry because we're believing lies. Like we think something's going to happen and it's not going to happen. He says, think on things that are true. He said, whatsoever things are honest. Those things that we can trust. Whatsoever things are just. Uh, when, you, when you read the word just, it's the word righteous. It's the opposite of unrighteous. It's those things that are, this is God's side. This is, these are the good things. Uh, whatsoever things are just, righteous. Whatsoever things are pure, untouched, unspotted, clean. Whatsoever things are lovely. Lovely is pleasing or agreeable. Good things. Whatsoever things are of good report. Do they have a good reputation? If there be any virtue, any goodness at all, if there be any praise, this is well spoken of. Think on these things. We're told to pray. Secondly, we're told to think. Told to think. All right. I'm so practical. And when I am told to think, I got to figure out, like, how do I do it? You know, how do I think? Well, you just think, right? You just, you just think. And how do we get stuff into our minds? Somebody shout it out. Just give me some feedback. How do you get stuff into your mind to think about it? You what? You see it. Where's Mark when I need him? Where is he? <laughs> you see it. You look at it, right? How do you think about Scripture? You read it, right? All right, what, how else do you, how else, what, what kind of stuff do we see? We can see things on paper. We can see things on video, whether it's, Netflix or television or the news. How else do we get things in our mind? You can hear them. Thank you so much. You can hear things, right? Whether you're listening to the radio, you're listening to a podcast, you're listening to music. There is a command to rejoice in the Lord always. It's an absolute. Every time rejoice in the Lord. There's a command to be careful for nothing. How do we do that? We pray, but we think. We think on purpose. Have you ever thought about what you think about? You should. That's exactly what he's telling us. You need to choose deliberately what you're thinking about. You need to evaluate. I've, I've heard this verse talked about as a filter. Uh, you know a filter, right? Uh, you know, you put, you put something in the top of the filter and only the good stuff comes out, right? It holds all the bad stuff. It's a filter, Sometimes we worry and we fear and we're anxious and we're full of care because of what we're thinking about. Um, do you know anyone? You don't have to raise your hand if it's you. But do you know anyone that could be labeled like a conspiracy theorist? We're in a church. I know it's one of you's in here. Um, conspiracy theory, right? Uh, you watch the news, and I mean, this world's ending. I mean, it could end tomorrow, and you have your bunker in the basement, and your stockpile, and you know, your rations, and all these things. And some of you have neighbors, and friends, and brothers, and sisters, and you're like, I know who that is. They're affected by their thinking. Maybe this is the end of the world. The Lord is at hand. Who knows? But sometimes our worries, those things that we care so much about, is because of what we've been thinking about. And if you take this, 
memorize this verse. Things that are uh, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise. Does that accurately represent what you listen to? Whether that's music or teaching or people you listen to at work. Does that accurately represent what you watch? Whether on TV, on Netflix, on YouTubes, on VHS, I don't know, however you watch things. We're, we're supposed to control our thinking. That's your responsibility, okay? God gave you that responsibility to guard your thinking, to think on these things. Then uh, verse number nine is our last verse tonight. We need to pray. We need to think. Verse nine says, Those things which ye have both learned... I hope that as you come to Fellowship Baptist Church, as you read your Bible, as you have people in your life that sharpen you, the Bible says iron sharpen iron, I hope that you're learning. I hope that you're learning. The Bible says um, that we learn uh, to be righteous. You know, uh, the Word of God uh, is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, We know that uh, the Word of God is profitable. It teaches us what's right and what's wrong. It teaches us how to get right before God. It teaches us about confession and repentance and, and living before God. Paul says, listen, there are some things, church, you have learned. And I hope you've learned something. He says, those things that you've learned and those things you've received. Uh, Pastor Tony gets up every Sunday morning. And he preaches and he prepares his message so that he can teach you something. And there are people in your life, whether that's mothers, fathers, uh, relatives, teachers, leaders, that have taught you something and you've received and heard. And he says, and seen in me, there's people that you watch and you say, I see how they live their life. He says, church, those things, all that stuff that's been placed in your mind, all the stuff that you've learned, he says one word, do. Do. Listen, rejoice in the Lord always. That's a really difficult. That's an absolute. He says, be careful for nothing. And then he gives us some how words. He says, you need to pray, you need to think, but there's one word that's so simple and it's just do. Do. I, listen, we can say, I, I can't wait to learn the deep things of God. And I can't wait to learn about Haggai or, you know, one of these books of the Bible. I can't wait to learn about that stuff. And I can't wait to get in there. Sometimes it's not the stuff that we don't know that we need. It's the stuff we already learned. We just need to do. See, this is, there are circumstances, and this is the whole purpose of this book of Philippians. There are circumstances that can knock us off course. There are circumstances that can discourage us, set us back, uh, take us to make us question God. They can just discourage us and tear us down. And he encourages the church, stand firm. And the way he ends this, uh, this encouragement is he just says, you know what? The stuff that you've been learning, go do it. Stop thinking about it and go do it. Um, I I had the opportunity to counsel with somebody recently, and uh, I I ended up giving some advice that I realized I wasn't myself taking. Uh, Has anyone ever given advice that you, yourself, weren't listening to? I have, and let me tell you the advice that I learned 
And it's really this verse right here. So many times, maybe you've heard a, 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 a message on not to worry, but trust the Lord. Something similar to this. Maybe you've heard a message on rejoice in the Lord, and, and you're, you're not. You're, you're not glad. You're, you're instead paying attention to your circumstances, and you should rejoice in the Lord. Maybe God has convicted you about something, and you've come, and you've knelt down here, and you've you said, I have had it. I am giving this up. I'm making a decision right now today. Let me, let me just ask you. I, I, like to, I like to see raised hands. I like to see everybody. Yeah, me, that. So how many of you have ever made a decision for the Lord for one thing or another? All right, good. Everybody should raise their hand. I have personally made a decision, a deep decision, because when we make decisions, they're strong, right? And I made this deep decision, and I said, with such determination, I will never do that again. I will stop doing that. Whatever God is telling you to do, we do that, and then we feel good. We feel determined. We know that today's Sunday, and I made a decision, and tomorrow, just wait. I'm, I can't, man, the rest of my life is smooth sailing, and we're going we're gonna to do this thing. We're going to live for God. We're going to be on fire. We're going to be all this stuff. We are sold out, ready to go. And you know what happens to, on Monday? You don't change anything. And then, and then you, you say, all right, this was just one day. You know, Monday was hard. Work was tiring. I'll do it the next day. It's like a diet, right? It always starts tomorrow, and you never do it. And I offered the counsel of just do what you know you're supposed to do. Take action, like right now. Like go leave this spot and go do whatever it is you know you're supposed to do. Don't plan to do, but do. Sometimes we get that mixed up in churches. We plan to do things and we're, we're, we have great intentions. Intentions don't do anything. And that's why Paul is encouraging him. He said, listen, you've learned stuff. You've received stuff. You've heard stuff. You've seen it in me. Go do it. And I had to uh, take my own advice on some things, and I just had to do it right then and there. Just go and do what you know God is telling you to do. 